What an amazing night um, and something that I'm very proud to have witnessed and to have been played a small part in but just incredible, incredible scenes there. I mean, just the, the joy on people's faces and it was kind of, it looked like I said, it was a little bit surreal standing on the edge of the pitch watching those scenes unfold afterwards and just the pure joy on people's faces. It was amazing. Nerves wasn't really for me because to be fair, Sean Hoare's penalty was probably far more important, you know. It was kind of like a free shot for me. If I didn't score, we were still in it. Should be told, but thankfully I did. So I'd say there was more pressure on some other panels before mine. It's something that as a football team we want to replicate our people. We want our people to understand that, you know, we're willing to do the fighting, we're willing to do the the, the work and the and the effort that needs to go on they want in football matches and, and, and if we can get the people behind us doing that, then I think this year, you know, has been a magnificent year for us. We want to finish it off properly by qualifying for European competition. The best League of Ireland podcast in the business. This is Off The Ball. Hello there and you are very welcome to the latest episode of the Off The Ball League of Ireland podcast with myself, Jamie Moore. Hello, how are you? Hope everything is good. Coming up over the next hour or so, we are going to celebrate the first two League of Ireland trophies won this season. Of course, Shelburne are the SSE Artricity League First Division champions after a 3-1 win over Drada in front of over 2,500 fans at United Park on Friday. I was one of those and we'll hear from Shelburne Heroes, the head coach Ian Morris, assistant manager Jason McGuinness, the legendary kit man Johnny Watson and players Kieran Kilduff, Luke Byrne and is there one more player in there? Yes, the goalkeeper Colin McCabe as well uh, will join us very shortly indeed. Plus an exclusive and really the first time that the Shell's chief executive David O'Connor has given a proper full you know, in-depth interview. Dave will be in studio in just a few minutes time to tell us about the 18 months or so he's been at the club, the owner Andrew Doyle and plans for the future as the Reds are back in the Premier Division for the first time in six years. The other trophy that was won at the weekend was the EA Sports Cup Dundalk beating Derry on Penos after a 2-2 draw in front of a sold-out Brandywell Stadium and the man that scored the winning penalty, Chris Shields, will join us on Skype as well. We'll also tell you about the possible new proposals for a League of Ireland if the National League in terms of North and South together doesn't happen the All-Ireland League uh, the lads in the Irish Sun Neil Reardon and Owen Cowser have a piece on a possible 18 Premier Division which to me is absolutely outrageously stupid not the piece of course but the idea so we'll bring you more on that in a few minutes time and also look back on the fixtures and results across the weekend in the First Division to Premier Division and of course we're getting ready in a couple of weeks time as well for the FAI Cup semi-finals and Dundalk as well can win the league on Monday night against Shamrock Rovers at Oriel we'll have a brief look ahead to that game as well all on the way on the Off The Ball League of Ireland podcast so let us get the show on the road with the League of Ireland First Division Champions Off The Ball's League of Ireland podcast so Shelburne beaten Drogheda 3-1 on Friday in the First Division and a really good game in front of a really good crowd as well and of course, had the game been a draw or had Drada won the game, things would have gone to the final day of the season. But Sean Brennan's red card for a second yellow and then Aidan Friel gave Shells the lead before Luke McNally equalised and two goals late in the game on 81 and 89 from Oscar Brennan and Lorcan Fitzgerald sealed the win for Shells. And here is the moment that the final whistle was blown and Shells were confirmed as League of Ireland First Division champions. <laughs> Yeah, great scenes. You can watch that uh, full video on my own Twitter page at Jamie Moore Sport. David O'Connor, the Shells Chief Executive, is about to join us in studio. But first, a number of the Shells heroes, starting with Luke Byrne. We'll hear from Kieran Kilduff and also Colin McCabe, Jason McGuinness, Johnny Watson, and the head coach Ian Morris on the pitch at United Park on Friday after that dramatic win, which sealed promotion back to the Premier Division. Luke, I just videoed that ten minutes, and I felt like I was a player. What was it like to share that with the fans, the staff, everybody? Ah, yeah, it was a bit. Um surreal to be honest all year we dreamed obviously and worked towards winning the league but I think when that moment comes you're not really ready for it and it was just obviously great just a bit of carnage really it was madness but uh, 
probably only when you look back at the videos now you realise how mad it was because you couldn't really take it all in. It was just a bit of shock, a delight and all that kind of thing, you know. Have you won a senior league before? I don't think you have. No, never. First uh, senior medal, so look, it's, hopefully I win more, obviously, but it's, uh, it's a great feeling, very rewarding at the end of a tough season. Can you put into words now, half an hour after the game, what it feels like to have won a league? Um, suppose like you understand kind of what people are talking about when they say you know like you have to turn up every week, like you know every day of training, every game. You know, we probably had one or two bad performances this year. You probably don't get away with too many more than that and win a league. So, um, I was always confident we could win the league, but you've got to back it up, and uh, it's just it's, it's a great feeling. In terms of the game tonight, when Luke McNally, who is a centre back, scores to make it one-one, and it stays one-one, it goes to the last day of the season. What are you thinking at that stage? And then your team goes up and scores two more, and once a third goes in, you know you've won. Then, um, like at one 0 and against ten men, you're obviously thinking we really, you know, we, we can't let this slip. Then they score a good goal on the break. Uh, the big man was causing a bit of uh, trouble up there, but I was always confident, even at one-all, that we, you know, the, the sp we could see the spaces. They were throwing bodies forward. They needed to win, so they were leaving a lot of spaces, particularly down the sides. And, I thought we would exploit it. I was confident in the lads. and We probably got a bit lucky with Oscar's goal, but uh, you're going to have to get lucky at times to win a league, I suppose. And lastly, I know you're going to celebrate. You've played in the Premier Division with Shamrock Rovers. What will it mean for Shelburne as a club? You've seen the amount of away fans that have come here tonight. There were some photos today on Twitter of Talga Park full. What will it be like for Shelburne in the Premier next year? Ah, it'll be brilliant. Like I played against Shells before in the Premier, but uh, I think there's like you know there's a new sense of kind of... Uh, I don't know, there's just a new sense of life around the club the last year or so and obviously Andrew Doyle's come in and new staff, a lot of new players and we've got momentum now going into the league next year and uh, please God I'm here and please God we're competitive and we have a good go next year and uh, all these fans will get another uh, you know, few more good nights next year. Luke, well done, go back to the party, enjoy. Thank you, Jamie. Top man, well done. So things are getting a small bit quieter here at United Park. Most of the Shells team are inside and I'm with the goalkeeper, Mr Colin McCabe. Uh, Collie, you've been in the dressing room. Some, the last players I spoke to hadn't been in yet. What's it like in there? Oh, madness. Absolute madness. Um, just can't put it into words. Um, boys in there really, really deserve it. Like, you know, um, just, oh, I don't know what the same speech is. It's been a great year. I've loved every minute. And I'm honestly, I'm delighted for everybody at the club of Shelburne, the fans, the players. Um, I just can't, you know, I'm unbelievable speechless. Really That's is. great. Speeches is good because it shows that it hasn't sunk in yet. And... You win the game 3-1, they equalise to go one all. you get two late goals. And I have a video like 11 minutes from when the final whistle blew to you guys going back in. And down there, knee slides, crowd on the pitch, what you play football for, isn't it? Absolutely. I, you know, Conan, um, being an experienced player, put in the group chat uh, last night saying, look lads, this is what you grew up with being a kid, opportunity of winning the league. Remember the people that, you know, helped you along the way. And for me, it was my parents. Um, they've always supported me in the last 12 months, 24 months. And I'm delighted for people like that. And, you know, that is why you grow up of winning things. And it's hard. Like, in men's football, it really is hard. And you obviously seen the game, how hard it is to, to get over the line and win things. And, honestly, I'm delighted. And, you know, I'm just looking forward to next year already. Yeah, from your own point of view, you came on the podcast in the middle of the season and you just got into the team. You came to the club after being with Bowes and Dean Delaney started the season. I think it was after the game in Longford you came in and you've been in almost ever since. Mm -hmm. You've kept lots of clean sheets. I don't have the stats in front of me now, but... You've come in at the age of 22 and won the league in a team with lots of experienced players and you must be really happy about that. Absolutely and you know, first of all I have to say that Dean Delaney has been excellent since you know, I've kind of stepped in and he's number one support. I think you see him every day in training and that's the reason why I've, like, I've kind of had to push myself this season to stay ahead of him. Like, he's an unbelievable keeper and like you said the experience in the room is unbelievable and I just really think it's a well knit a team with youth experience in the right areas and, and the bit of quality that we needed to get out of the division and, and I'm absolutely delighted for the manager for everybody um, that we have done it oh, it, was, it was madness it was madness um, you can see how much that means to them supporters uh, that, that's, that's all I, I kept hearing uh, you don't know what this means and I do, I do. I put put my heart and soul into to this season, and I've just been been blessed with the group of players I have, uh, the backroom staff, the volunteers at the club. It's just they made my job very, very easy this season. How slowly or quickly do you come down after games? And I'm sure tonight will take a long time to come down from. But you yeah. seem quite calm now. Yeah, look, it's it's just all it's just all sitting in there. Um, I'll probably get some sleep Monday, but <laughs> we'll uh, we'll certainly enjoy this weekend. Have you spoken to the players since the match? Because there's been such celebrations and different interviews and different things going on. Have you had a chance? No, with the not yet. Yet? no, not yet. It's it's, it's been absolute bedlam. Um, I, I'm looking forward to getting in and seeing them and 
Uh, but look, they, they'll have each other. I like to have this season. That, that team bond that them players and they have is is, is excellent. Um, that's what's driven us forward this season, and everyone has contributed um, to us getting this promotion. So everyone in that changing room should be very proud of themselves. What will you say to them? Apart from the obvious, well done, I love you. Thanks very much. Yeah, just soak it up, soak it up. Uh, th- these times in football don't, don't come around very often, so when you do, you, you got to really, really enjoy it. Um, and, and I hope they do. We'll have a we'll have a couple of days uh, celebrate, and then we will prepare properly for for Limerick next week. Um, you don't disrespect anyone. You don't disrespect any football matches. So, look, we'll enjoy a couple of days, and then we'll get ourselves ready for for Limerick on Friday. How would you describe the season from being appointed, building your staff, building your squad, the win at Longford a few weeks ago? I was at that game and I tweeted, it's over, shells are up. And then last week you draw with Bray and you come in here knowing if draw to win, it goes to the last day or draw. But how would you sum up, if you can, the, the, the whole thing so far? Um, it, it's been a massive, massive pressure cooker. Um, I think it, it was thrown on us straight away from, from December. Um, and that's what I mean, the credit to, to them players. They, they've had to deal with all that and they've just gone about their business very, very quietly. And um, you can see, I think our points tally this year overtakes UCDs last year to, and we've a game in hand. So that, that's, that, them players deserve every, every bit of credit coming their way because, like I said, they've made my job very easy and uh, it's, it's just a, a fantastic, fantastic night to deal with up here because Drogheda have been excellent this season. Johnny Watson, Shelburne legend, Shelburne kit man, <laughs> Shelburne hero. I was beside your dugout when the third goal went in. You went to your knees and you were crying because this club means so much to you. It does, it means a lot. How would you sum up that? Just uh, from the time that the lads came in, uh, Morrow, Jay, Borky, the whole lot, when they came in, uh, they turned this club around. They, they brought the club back to where it should be. I'm so happy tonight because my father's looking down at me there and... That's exactly why I went down in my knees because I was praying to him all day. I have rosary beads in my kit room. I have a miraculous medal in my, in my other kit room. And I'm just so happy tonight. I just, I just can't. There's, there's no words to describe it. Um, Carl Moore told me at the start, at the end of last season, coming into this season, don't worry, Johnny, we'll do it. And we've done it, you know. And I, I just can't sum it up. It's a very emotional night, but it's absolutely brilliant. You know, every one of the players have been great. Every single one of them. It's amazing, you know what I mean? Ian Morris coming in, Jay McGinnis there, Bokey. What a crew. What an absolute crew. Unbelievable. Just unbelievable. You've had highs and you've had lows at the club, Johnny, over the years and years you've been here. How will this compare when you think back on it? Because tonight, I'm sure, we're half an hour after the game and it's still very raw. But when you get to sit down, relax, start the next season, you're going, I've been on a staff that's led this club back to the Premier Division. Well, that, I'm so proud of that. I'm absolutely so proud of that. Um, you know, everybody in the club, the board, the board of management, right down to myself, the kit man, everyone's worked hard to get this club back to where it is now. How would I sum it up? Uh, this, well, this is up to tonight. This was the only trophy we've never won in this league or in this in the, in the okay. country. Yeah, we've won it now. We're going back to the big time because we're a big time club. How do I sum it up? It's, it's one of the greatest nights of my life. It's, in fact, tonight is the greatest night of my life. And oh, there's oh, oh, your main Mr. Kildare here. Come Kildoff. in and join us. Yeah. Uh, just talking to this man, a Shells legend. You're now a Shells legend too. You've come to Absolutely. the club. You've scored the goals. Your club's back in the Premier. How does it feel? Great feeling. Um, you know, there was a little bit of pressure on at the, the end. Of the camera can see you. Yeah, oh, sorry, yeah. I didn't even know we were live. Yeah, Are we, we live? No, Johnny Watson is a club legend. <laughs> that's for him. <laughs> Johnny <laughs> Watson is a club legend. And that's for you. Thanks, Blocks. Dale, come around the side of me. Come on in, come on in. No, listen, it was a great feeling. You know, there was a bit of pressure on us maybe coming over the last couple of games as well. It's hard to get one over the line. Never easy, but, you know... We got the breaks tonight, I thought we were good, I thought we deserved it and uh, thankfully we got the work done. So, job done. Jamie McGuinness, hello, well, we're on video, we're having a chat with the lads, how does it feel to be the assistant manager to let you back to the Premier? Delighted, it's great for the players, it's great for Shelbourne, there's good supporters here, so that's for them, we're delighted. You've been around the league a long time, how does a night like this compare, the atmosphere, the late goals, the celebrations, everything? It's really up there because it's not easy to win games, let alone win league, so... It wouldn't be disrespectful to anything you win, so absolutely delighted to have got another league. For men like this who've been at the club for donkeys, he's the life blood of the club, and it's nice to see men like this really, really enjoy it. Yeah, and Jay, just lastly, the staff and watch Johnny, I was just behind the dugout, I was trying to come on the pitch at the end through the video, and you scored the third goal, he's on his knees in tears, you are all celebrating together. It's your first kind of season as a staff, yeah. and they often say about how close the staff are, and you've done it. Yeah, the staff is quite close, we all work extremely hard, but listen, Let's not forget, football is about players and it always will be 
So all the credit goes to the players. They were fantastic throughout the whole season. Training every week, they applied themselves really well. And as I said, football is about the players, not coaches and managers. Okay, enjoy your night. Well done. Thank Congrats. you. Johnny, enjoy. That's for all the doubters. <laughs> <laughs> See you, Johnny. Well done. Yeah, really great scenes as well. At Jamie Moore Sport on Twitter is the place to watch those interviews in full. And thanks to the lads for their time. And they've been partying ever since, really. Now, a man who was partying with them for some of the weekend, but is back to work this week, of course, is the Shell's chief executive, David O'Connor. And busy planning, of course, for their first season back in the Premier League in six years. Doc, welcome to our League of Ireland podcast studio for the first time. How are you? I'm good, Jamie. Thanks very much. How would you describe being involved in those scenes at the end on Friday? Yeah, it's really hard not to have a smile from ear to ear after just having watched that. And to be honest, it's still a little bit surreal watching it back now. Um, what an amazing night um, and something that I'm very proud to have witnessed and to have been played a small part in. But just incredible, incredible scenes there. I mean, just the, the joy on people's faces. And it was kind of, it looked like I said, it was a little bit surreal standing on the edge of the pitch, watching those scenes unfold afterwards and just the pure joy on people's faces. It was amazing. So what are you like as the chief executive watching a game as important as that? And it's one all and it's, you know, it's a tight match and you know if it's a draw or shells lose, it goes to the last day and things might not go your way. So what do you like? And the last two goals came like the 81st and 86th minute. So it was tight to the end. Yeah, it was a tight game. I suppose like any other fan in that situation and you saw it in the away end in the shed in, in Drogheda, what, they were, what our fans were like. I'm sure they were on the edge of your seats, as was I. Um, the game itself was such an amazing occasion for the League of Ireland in general. I mean, it's a long, long time since there was a first division game in particular with that kind of a crowd and atmosphere and proper cup final feel. Um, but yeah, up until the last, probably the, the 91st minute, I, I was pretty tense, as were everyone sitting around me and the, the away section. But um, I suppose the joy and the relief when that, that whistle went was, um, was just, it's hard to describe that feeling. So how has the weekend been? Because I know everyone went back to the Talca Bar and Talca Park on Friday. I think the players could have been out on Saturday and Sunday as well. Very well deserved. There's a league game to come against Limerick this Saturday when the team will lift the trophy and hopefully a massive crowd in Talca. But... How have the last few days gone? Uh, party Central in Tolka? Yeah, we had a great night on Friday night in Tolka. Um, the majority of guys, the fans that were on the buses came back to Tolka. The players all came back. Um, the players got the welcome that they absolutely fully deserved, as did Ian and the staff when they came into the bar. Um, again, an amazing reception from the fans that were there. The players, I'm sure, enjoyed their weekend, which they were absolutely fully entitled to do after an amazing um, amazing season by themselves and the management. Um, and like I said, with, with Friday now, or sa sorry, Saturday against Limerick, um, we very much plan on uh, rolling that party into, into the weekend as well. Thankfully, there's not pressure now going into that game. The lads, like Ian said, after the game are still going to prepare as they would with any game, but it helps that we can kind of plan that game on Saturday and plan a party afterwards and just enjoy the moment. What does it mean to the club to be back in the Premier Division? You've been there since April 2018 and you've seen firsthand what the First Division is like. You've clearly been a player in it too, but what does it mean to the club to be back? I, to be honest, I think that 90-second clip probably sums it up best, better than I could put into words. I mean, especially the interview we did with our, with our kit man, Johnny Watson, he probably exemplifies the passion and the love that many, but in particular Johnny Watson has for Shelburne Football Club. That man lives and breeds the club. Um, and he's one of, of numerous examples of Shells people who have been waiting for this moment for a hell of a long time. I mean, I've, I've seen a couple of, of pictures during the week of Shells fans getting the date of the game tattooed, the Shells crest tattooed into them. You know, the scenes of people crying on the pitch uh, afterwards, that, that raw emotion... That's hard to, to, you can't buy that, you can't bottle that as much as we'd love to, but it just, it meant, it meant so much to the people that have been involved in the club for so, for so long. The volunteers who, you know, through hard times in the last couple of years have, have, have really worked really, really hard behind the scenes for the club and then for the fans. And I suppose Johnny Watson exemplifies that. Um, it means a hell of a lot to everyone. And to myself, I've only been involved for 18 months, but I mean, it's hard not to, once you get in, walk in the doors to talk, if, you know, within a couple of weeks to, to really feel part of a family. Um, and so it means a hell of a lot to me and to, to, to the volunteers and especially the fans, players and, and also Ian who's done an amazing job this year. So the Shells head coach Ian Morris on his first season as a manager and a league winning manager at that leading his team back to the Premier Division next year. And Dave, this time last year Ian was still playing for Bowes and in the off-season he was appointed as the Shells manager. I know you were very heavily involved in that, you know, the process of recruiting a manager and picking Ian as the manager even though he's not the manager in title but head coach as such. Um, tell us about the job he's done and why you picked him to be the man in charge. I mean, first and foremost, what a, what a season he's had for his first year in, in charge and what he's done with that group of players. I mean, you could tell by the way they fought for the, the win the other night and there's numerous occasions during the season you can see that his passion um, and his love of the club, despite the fact he's only been in there 12 months, is really, you know, it really, really showed and the squad of players he, he put together in the off-season was, you know, he did fantastic well to assemble such a strong squad, but I think, think more importantly, what he got out of that, those players during the season. Um, you could tell he really, you know, really, really tight in the group, and it comes down to himself and the management team. But yeah, look, bringing Ian in, um, I, I mean, I, I knew the first time I met Ian that that he was, 
he was the right person for the club. His, his passion was infectious. Um, he was so eager to throw himself into it completely and immerse himself in the club, and that's that's what he did. Um, and that definitely drip fed down to the players. Um, and I think anyone that watched us over the season regularly could 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 see that he he really stamped his his authority on the team and the team played for him in return. And um, yeah, look, it's all ahead of him now. What a, what a fantastic platform he set up for himself. Um, and he's done really, really well and fully deserves all the applause he's going to get. Yeah, I know I asked him in the longer version of that video, which is on our YouTube channel, about planning for the Premier, like kind of now, even though you've got another match in the off-season, but getting the right squad and stuff is going to be so important and trying to retain players who he wants to keep and the club want to keep, and along with Dave Henderson, who's been played a key role as well, in trying to sign players. But for you as a chief executive, your role in terms of planning for next season, I'm sure, is, is well in full swing, even though you're only kind of four days up. Absolutely, yeah. Like like I said, it's kind of twofold: the, the football side of things um, and the business side of the club. On the football front, I mean, I know Ian has has you know done a little bit of work already in the background, planning for next season. Um, we, we hopefully have a couple of announcements in the, in the coming weeks about players re-signing. Um, we have a really really strong squad of players, and the, the plan will be to keep you know keep the core of that squad. And I think going up to the Premier Division, obviously, the plan is is to is to probably strengthen the squad a little bit, um, and we'll, we'll need to do that to be competitive. Um, and we will do that. And I know Ian and, and the backroom staff and, and and Dave Henderson have have already started that process. And then obviously on the on the business side of the club, I mean, going up to the Premier Division now changes the picture in, in a big way for the club in a very positive way. Um, you know, it was impossible not to see the potential that the club has from a fan base point of view over the last couple of weeks and months in Talca Park. Um, you know, against Bray the other night, the, the couple of weeks ago, the, the place was rammed. Um, and going to the Premier Division, you know, we would hope to keep those, you know, keep people wanting to come back to Talca Park. Um, and yeah, look, at, on the commercial level, we, we'll be, look, we're constantly trying to get partners and, and, and commercial partners and, and business partners and even social partners so I mean my job a big part of my job in the off season will be to continue to work with our current sponsors and partners our social partners and our commercial partners and try to build that prof portfolio as well and we're very much an open door on that front and we'll be you know very open to, to be to chat to new new I suppose people that want to get involved from a sponsorship point of view and um, from a volunteer point of view in particular because I mean there's a lot of people that want to come and get involved and help out with the club and we're an open book and you know I'm always approachable on that front and um, but it's gonna be really busy we've season tickets now to, to plan we've I probably shouldn't be saying this, but a, a news on a jersey launch hopefully in the next couple of weeks as well. So a lot of exciting things coming up. Um, and yeah, what, a, what an exciting chapter for the club in the next uh, couple of months and for next season. In what ways does it change the picture from the point of view of away from football and business and commercial and sponsors and you know stuff around the ground and all that sort of stuff? The, uh, the primary one is the match day revenue and, and the turnstiles. Um, you know, uh, uh, this year we, we had a fantastic average attendance. We're, we're touching 1,200 uh, average attendance at Talca Park. If that goes up to 17, 18, 1,900, um, and on top of that, then getting the big, you know, the big Dublin derbies where you're, you know you're going to fill Talca Park out, th that's a, that makes a big difference commercially for the club. Um, and then on the match day front, in terms of you know uh, merchandise, the bar sales, um, they all make you know getting more bums on seats and getting a big away crowd into the ground obviously helps that as well. Um, and then I suppose in terms of you know commercial sponsors being able to offer that added bit of value for for them uh, in terms of TV exposure, bigger crowds, um, and just bigger exposure in general, um, it's fantastic. Um, and we already have a couple of amazing, you know, commercial sponsors that we had this year that we'd hope to keep. But like I said previously, we're looking to, you know, get as many people involved in the club as possible commercially and on a volunteer basis. People that want to help out and get involved, very much open to that too. I'm looking forward to being at the game on, on Saturday and seeing Talca Park, you know, as full as can be. I would hope there's a great crowd there, and I'm sure the bars will be open and the players will spend some time with with the fans afterwards too. I've been at a couple of games this season, and you're right about the attendance in around the the 1,000 mark or so and I've noticed in the last few weeks that the, the stand behind the goal in which the change rooms are has been closing there was a small fire but the, the kind of Shell's core fans have been at the far end of the main stand so the main stand in general has been full and the away fans across the other side and that has kind of changed the atmosphere because sometimes there was like a couple of hundred Shell's fans that won and then the rest kind of split across the main stand how have you seen that and what's the latest with the ground moving forward to next year if you are going to have you know, maybe two and a half, three thousand there for Bowles, you know, Bowles visit or Shamrock Rovers or Pats that you want the fans to be able to fit in and be comfortable and be safe and stuff. Yeah, well, just firstly in relation to the the the, new, the stand behind the goals and the moving of the you know the core fans into the main stand, it coincided with a really good run of form that we had yeah. in the league and it carried through. And I know from chatting to the players in particular, and from chatting to a handful of fans, they really enjoyed that dynamic and it worked out really well because it created a real buzz in the place. Um, for next season, you know, there's a, probably a little bit of work to be done to see, you know, in terms of Talca Park, what we might do with that with that stand again. But I think I'd love to see the, the fans that moved to, to Section E stay there because of the atmosphere that they created. But we'll look at that in, in the off season. Um, just touching on the match day stuff. I mean, we, we're hoping to have a big, obviously, a big bumper crowd on on Saturday. But 
you know, the behind the scenes, the work that goes in by a, a core group of volunteers that run the bar, John Riley, Andy McGowan in the club shop, the Kennedys who run the, the, the sweet shop, among numerous other jobs, amazing, amazing family, um, the match day team, the media team, you know, Gavin, Frank, um, amazing people involved that just do it for the love of the club. I'm sure I'm missing out on a few people. We mentioned Johnny already, um, Tosh, Tosh, Joe Cole at the turnstiles. I'm just, I'm probably, I'm definitely going to miss someone, but I want to just mention a special thanks to everyone involved on a voluntary basis at the club because they deserve the moment they had last Friday, they deserve the, the celebrations that are going to be had on Saturday uh, coming and they just do it for the love of the club. It's, it's just, it's, it's humbling, it's amazing, they're amazing people. So Andrew Doyle is the owner of the club and we hope to speak to him on the podcast in the coming weeks as well and I know Ian Morris has said he'll come in and have a chat too. Uh, Andrew took over shortly before you were named as chief executive and he's been involved in Shamrock Rovers for years and, and stuff and, and you know his money has helped this project I hate the word project, but it is because he uh, takes a long-term view of it and there's links with TCU and other bits and pieces going on the academy and stuff. Tell us about his role, the type of person he is, and he's the one who picked you to kind of run things on the ground for him, and I'm sure he was a very happy man. I saw he, he was a very happy man in United Park on, on Friday night himself. He was, for sure, and I think I, I think it's genuinely think his happiness was more for the people involved in the club, and Ian in particular, and the staff and the players, because um, he saw the work that they put in over the last you know, 10, 10 months. Um, and obviously, you know, I'm very, very grateful to Andrew myself for giving me the opportunity to be involved in such an amazing club, and, and I couldn't have wished to have got a, you know, a better working experience over 18 months. I wouldn't have got it in any other job. But look, one of the objectives myself and Andrew set absolutely was to get the, the first team back up into the Premier Division. Um, for sure, I'd be, I'd be lying if we said that wasn't a priority. It was. But you know, when Andrew got involved, it was a, it was a, pro- a project. You don't want to mention where, but it was a bigger picture than just the, the men's first team. You know, we're, we're trying to create a culture and, and make the most of what the amazing club that Shepherd is already has and bring the best out of people, get people involved, work with the academies, bring in the women's side of the club, which we, we, we definitely made progressive steps towards so you know the project as you, you said is more than just the first team um, it's bigger than that it's about you know trying to look after our players look after the people involved in the club no, a lot of things we probably w- will make mistakes but um, you know there's a lot to it than just the, the men's first team obviously that's a, a priority for sure but um, you know Andrew has a you know and the rest of the, the board of management and myself have, have other things that we you know we want to see the club progress towards and we've definitely made a number of steps towards that over the last 18 months not just the men's first team and I'm sure as well the plan will be to try and compete at a certain level in the Premier next year and you know I know you don't want to be involved in the battle at the bottom and we've seen in recent years 10th goes down automatically and, and ninth even this season there's a couple of teams 7 or 8 points ahead and 8th and 7th that are looking over their shoulders a little and you know if you can make top half you're safe and maybe even have a great season the likes of you know what Bowles have done in recent seasons and you're fighting for Europe but that means you need a budget to get the players to do that and that's something I'm sure Andrew and yourself and Ian and everybody are having a conversation on you want to make sure your team is competitive in the Premier next year Absolutely um, you know we don't want it to, to bounce back down absolutely not that would be you know it would be a, a big step backwards but that means we have to look at the squad we have um, keep the, the core group of players that we, that we already have for next season and then strengthen in, in a couple areas that we definitely need to strengthen in there's no, no two ways about that and um, I suppose being a, you know the momentum that we have at the club now you know, I, I, I'm sure there'll be players wanting to play for Shelburne Football Club, as there have been for a number of years because it's such a massive club. But now that we're back in the Premier Division, there will be players wanting to play for the club. Um, and it's about how we recruit players. We have to be clever in our recruitment because ultimately it's not going to be a blank checkbook, far, far from it, despite, you know, what some people may have thought this year about us was, was very much untrue. Um, so we'll have to be clever with our recruitment and get the right players, get players who want to be a part of it. Um, and yeah, I suppose to be, to be competitive, I mean, we're not going to be chasing a, a European dream uh, next season. That's not part of the plan. It would be unwise, I think, to, to throw money at, at anything like that. Um, but we need to be competitive. And I think with, with Ian there um, and the players we have, we, we've got a right good chance of doing that. So Dave, you're 28, just turned 28. And you've played in the league for years and years and years, up until just before you took the job as Chelsea executive. U- UCD for years, uh, Limerick and Shamrock Rovers as well. How have you found the transition from footballer to chief executive? You're definitely the only chief executive in the league as far as I can see. And you've gone very, very quickly from being a player on the pitch to a, a player in the boardroom as such. Yeah, and it's something when I was a player, I was quite um, passionate and strong about encouraging, you know, teammates of mine to make sure that they have a plan for themselves after football um, and something I was very conscious of doing myself and I, like I said I went through UC got a, a, a couple of degrees but I very much didn't know what I wanted to do apart from being a footballer or be involved in football and that's why when I did finish playing up uh, playing in the league two, two seasons ago I was very very lucky to have given, been given an opportunity to get back involved in an environment that I'm very very passionate about um, and that I love um, and I'm still pinching myself a little bit to have gotten the opportunity to be honest um, especially at such a club as, as Shells um, and look I'm, I'm learning as I go I'm having to lean on you know the board of management that are there lean on Andrew learn from people that are you know family and friends as well but 
I've enjoyed it and I'm, I'm very grateful to be part of you know, a proper success story at Shells this year, but there's a lot of work to be done, a hell of a lot of work to be done to make sure that we, we build on the momentum we have um, and push on to another level. But yeah, the transition from, from playing to, to the working world, I suppose, maybe would have been a little bit of a different dynamic if I'd gone into a, a normal working world away from football. Um, but I'm lucky that, that I was able to, to step into a job that was very much um, in something that I was very passionate about. You're the first League of Ireland CEO I've ever interviewed, so I'm interested to know how your week works and how busy you are. And apart from stuff in the office in Tolka, emails, phone calls 24-7, going to matches, it's a wide range of, of jobs you have to do under that title of Chief Executive. It is, yeah. I mean, there's a little bit of, uh, quite a bit of, you know, admin emails, phone calls. I mean, I spend a lot of time on, on the phone. A big part of it is, you know, working with people and being a good per people person and, getting the best or the most out of the people at the club and I, I'd like to think that I've you know I've made good friends with the, uh, people at the club over the, la the last 18 months and I'd like to think that, that I've got the best out of some of those people as well as they have with me um, obviously there's there's the football side of things which I'm, which I'm still quite you know passionate about and that's where my skill set lies from my previous job um, so I, you know I'd like to think that Ian whenever he wants to pick up the phone and, and, and bounce something off me an idea whether it's something to do with training or or something for you know anything football related that I enjoy that side of things um, but it's quite a varied role to ask me any given week what I'd be doing from Monday to Friday I probably wouldn't be able to answer you uh, exactly but that probably makes it more exciting uh, on a day to day basis that you know anything can throw itself up football related business related dealing with people dealing with sponsors dealing with some of our community outreach programs it's very wide uh, ranging and varied and um, it's great it's great and lastly, I'm sure you've been involved as well a lot in the discussions about the move to Dalyman Park and the ground share with shells and bows and that just seems to have been snagged by different issues and we don't really know yet if and when it's going to happen. From the shells view and your view as a chief executive, where is that now? And I know a lot of fans have been very much against the move, but I'm sure when they get there and they see how good the stadium will be, if it is ever done, it'll be great. But for the next few years, you're still going to be in Tolkien. and I'm sure there's, there's plans to maybe, and I've, I mentioned recently about you know, the place has been painted and just small things, but the update from Shells on, on where that is at the moment. Yeah, look, we have a steering committee that meets um, in collaboration with Bose and city, the City Council on a monthly basis. Um, there has been a little bit of progress in the last month or two in relation to you know getting more specific timeframes and when things might happen. But to be brutally honest, over the last 18 months, it's, it has been slow. Um, and w you know we've had questions from from fans on a regular basis with updates. When we have them, we will give them. Um, there's nothing um, as of today, nothing you know different than it was maybe a couple of months ago. Really, um, we have been told that there might, we might get a little bit more detail in the next couple of months in terms of timelines. Um, but it looks like the project will will happen. Um, when it will happen, I'm not exactly sure. But hopefully, like I said, the next couple of months we'll have a little bit of a clearer picture. But for the foreseeable future, the next couple of seasons we're going to be in Talca Park. Um, and the place, I mean, again, someone I didn't mention earlier on, but someone who's done amazing work in the ground is Eamon White, the groundsman. He's, the place looks fantastic. The pitch is one of the best in the, in the country. Um, so we look forward to staying in Tolka for, for the next couple of years at least. Um, and then hopefully we'll have an update for the fans soon in relation to Daily Met as soon as we have it. And just lastly on that, on, on the small improvements to Tolkien, spoke to Niall O'Driscoll of, of Bray recently about, you know, the Carlisle grounds and what they've done. And, you know, I was there recently and, you know, this is going to sound very bizarre, but the toilets work the hand dryers work, there's soap, and I know in Talca, like, the far side, the walls being painted, and, you know, the stand behind the goal to the left as the main stand looks is kind of never used, and the seats are still a little bit, you know, they look a bit crap. Is there ways to do those small things and make the place look aesthetically better, so if there's someone watching or there's a video of a goal, that it's not just kind of a blank stand behind, or even noticed that the, a Croke Park the weekend for the ladies' finals, they had three or six massive huge big jerseys of the six teams playing draped across Hill 16 so at least it looked aesthetically nice and, and you know small things like that I'm sure can be done. Absolutely and I think it would be, uh, I'll, I'll put you in your spot slightly and say that the, the vast majority of Talca Park I think is still a beautiful old traditional mm -hmm. football yeah, yeah. ground. Um, there are parts that need a, you know probably a, a lick of paint and a, and, a, and a bit of work but we have planned, we discussed at the la our last board meeting that we're going to do a little bit of work on that front in the off season to tidy up the far side of the ground um, but there's been a hell of a lot of work done already. I mean the pitch in particular is fantastic but Yes, in terms of uh, you know, encouraging younger fans or families into grounds in League of Ireland in general, the league has a long way to go as a whole to be able to get to a stage where we're we're proud of every single stadium we have, um, and only I think at that stage will, you know, we'll be able to properly build fan bases at League of Ireland clubs. It's a it's a it's a big challenge. I mean, clubs don't have the resources to do it themselves. We need we need help and assistance too. Um, but yeah, we'll do a little bit of work on talking the off season to. to uh, bring it up to a, a level that we're really proud of on the far side and to bring up a level that the rest of the ground is at, I suppose. 
And finally, new fans and the area that the stadium is in is huge around Dublin. It really is, and you're competing with Bowes directly because it's you know the stadiums in terms of geography are quite close together. But even for Saturday, the place is going to be full. It's going to be a party for new fans, whether they be Irish, whether they be foreign nationals who live here and have kids, and the kids are back to school and p people are back to college. They're not going out on a Friday night. What would you say to them about going to to try and check out Tolka and Shells this Saturday with a view to what it might be like next year? I think we need to, I mean, capturing footage like you captured on, on Friday night and showing that to anyone who's a football fan, never mind a Shelburne fan, if they watch that, they, they couldn't but want to, to come to a game to be part of something like that. And we need to build on, like I said already, the momentum we have and um, encourage, you know, we, we have a good cohort of young fans now um, and more and more people started coming back in the door as the season progressed and hopefully they can tell, you know, their own friends, their family members that look, Talca Park is, a play, is the place to be next season. There's going to be, you know, numerous Dublin derbies. It's a friendly kind of family atmosphere as well as having a, you know, proper football atmosphere feel to it. So we need to do a hell of a lot in the off season to to widen our fan base and you know our social media outreach, our uh, community outreach programs. Will all be part of that. But we need, you know, word of mouth is 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 the best way to do that too. And people watching some of the footage from from last Friday and hopefully some of the, the photographs and footage we captured this coming Saturday will will see that and want to be part of it. Great, so fantastic. So from the cell, the Shells, Chief Executive David O'Connor, really infectious character as well. You can see how excited he is about being the CEO of a club, a big club, a huge club back in the Premier League. Doc, thanks for your time. Enjoy you Saturday, too. enjoy Good the off-season. You probably uh, will be a busy man and we'll see you soon. Cheers. Thanks, Jamie. Yeah, that is the Shelburne Chief Executive David O'Connor on our Off The Ball League of Ireland podcast. The other results in the First Division on Friday, Cabin Teeley 3 at Lone Town 1. That confirmed playoffs for Cabin Teeley. Kieran Marty Waters on the double and the First Division top scorer Rob Manley with the other goal there. So uh, that's Cabin Teeley into the playoffs. Bray Wanderers, unfortunately not in the playoffs for them. They had a good 2-1 win on Saturday away to Longford Town. John Martin and Dean Williams with the goals there after Dean Byrne had given Longford the win. The other games on Friday, Galway United 7, Cove Ramblers 1. Mark Ludden, Galway defender, scored four goals in that game and Limerick beat Wexford by four goals to one. So that means the league table, Shelburne champions on 57, they can't be caught with one game left. Drada on 51, now their goal difference is 10 better off than Longford who are on 48 and Cabinteely on 47. So it'll be Drada or Longford that finish second and of course the team that finishes second doesn't have to play in the first part of the playoffs because it'll be third against fourth. So Cabinteely can get to third but Longford and... and and Drada can both finish second. And the final weekend of fixtures in the first division. All the games take place on Saturday night at 7.45. All the at Tolka Park to watch Shelburne lift the first division trophy. They're hosting Limerick. The other game that's very, very important. Two of them actually. Bray against Drada United. That game is at the Carlisle Grounds at 7.45. And we're looking also at... Cove against Longford that's at 7.45 in St Coleman's Park so that'll be the two games that determine who finishes second and third it's at Lone against Galway in at Longtown Stadium and Wexford hosting Cabin Teeley in Wexford that is at a quarter to eight on Friday night so that is the first division and well done to Cabin Teeley as well they're only in the league a few years to uh, have got themselves into uh, the playoffs as well and you'd fancy them to do okay in that in the Premier Division controversy at Dalyman Park as Waterford beat Bohemians by two goals to one Tom Holland got the winner there but at last minute penalty that wasn't a penalty really a ball into the box the goalkeeper for both James Talbot went up Kevin Lynch of Waterford his arm definitely stops the ball going towards the goal and the ref Neil Doyle totally missed it and the penalty wasn't given both disappointed on that one Pats nil UCD nil in Stephen O'Donnell's first game in charge at Inchicore and Sligo Rovers picked up an important 3-1 win against Finn Harps that leaves the league table with Dundalk of course who didn't play at the weekend or Shamrock Rovers 10 points clear with 6 games left Bowes in 3rd on 49 they've played 31 games Derry in 4th on 47 they've played 30 games and Pats are on 47 as well so there really is a race on there for 3rd and 4th in the league and that win for Sligo means that they're very very unlikely to be involved in any sort of relegation playoff UCD still bottom on 18 points. Finn Harp second bottom on 23. That's a five point gap now with five games left. Cork are seven ahead of that and Waterford looks safe now as well. They're 11 clear of Finn Harp. So Harps, of course, play Cork very soon and they'll be hopeful to try and uh, pick up points at Turners Cross this coming Friday at 7.45. That's a huge game for Cork City because if Finn Harps win that, the gap is four points with four games left and it really is squeaky bum time for Neil Fenn and everybody involved down there at Turners Cross. The other games are also all on Friday. Three more at quarter to eight. It's Derry City against Bohemians. It's UCD against Sligo and it's Waterford against Dundalk. And Shamrock Rovers host Pats in the big Dublin derby at Tallis Stadium on Friday at 8 and one game then on Monday Dundalk against Shamrock Rovers that game is at 7.20 live on TV and Dundalk can actually win the league title this weekend as well now we're going to tell you about the possibility of an 8 team Premier Division moving forward in a few minutes time but firstly we're going to welcome the man who scored the winning penalty in the EA Sports Cup final on Saturday to the show 
and it's Chris Shields. Chris, welcome back. How are you, sir? How are you doing, Jamie? All right. Thanks for having a chat. I'm very good. Thanks yourself. Yeah, I'm grand, yeah. So talk Busy me as. through the uh, the nerves or lack thereof of that spot kick on Saturday. Robbie Benton had missed a chance to win it for your team, the previous kick, so you're up and uh, you fairly buried it. <coughs> uh, nerves wasn't really for me because, to be fair, Sean Hoare's penalty was probably far more important, you know. It was kind of like a free shot for me. If I didn't score, we were still in it. Um, should be told, but thankfully I did. So I'd say there was more pressure on some other panels before mine. Yeah, I'm always interested to see, you know, how a team and a manager maybe when the final whistle is blown after extra time and they have the discussion of who's going to take the spot kicks. Is it a case of Vinnie Perth asking who wants one? Is that being predetermined or how does that work? And also the order of people, for example, Patrick Hubin, the penalty taker going first and so on. Well, I know Pat always likes to go first, but to be fair, we practiced them the day before and th there was a good standard. So Vinnie had called out five lads and had been asked before, would you want one if it goes to it? So when the five were called out, everyone, no one had a problem with it. And that was the last question Vinnie asked. Anybody have a problem with them five? Then no. And then myself and Sean Hoare said we'll go six and seven if it comes to it. So it's just... Um, but you, I don't think the question on, in the group needed to be asked too fancied one because I think the, the players that we have are around a long time that they always would. And we've seen as well in recent seasons, you know, just how much use... You know the managers have, have have helped the players with videos and clips and stuff, and you often see before a shootout the goalkeeping coach spending time with the goalkeeper and an iPad showing them clips of, of the opposition players taking penalty kicks. Had you guys had access to the stuff on Derry in terms of what their players might do and also what their goalkeepers might do? I actually don't know. Maybe um, Vinny and uh, Steve Williams had a chat with the goalkeepers, but the out, the outfield players I didn't know. I like I didn't see any stats to where Pete might have went. You know, so I think that's more given towards goalkeepers with players and strikers who are going to take up, step up and take panels and they'll have a read them more so than I would because it's it's on it's on the day. You can't really tell where a keeper is going to go. He changes his mind at any time. Like. So talk to me about the feeling of the ball hitting the back of the net. You go a run to your left and we're going to see an image in a second on screen of you sprinting around to celebrate your teammates are up with you and it's that moment of euphoria that footballers always speak about is, is that winning feeling. It was definitely nice, yeah. I feel bad for running off on Aaron because he was way over to the right, to be <laughs> fair. But as soon as it hit the back of the net, I just kind of ran off in, in sheer elation because, you know, it was a tough game because we'd given them like two sloppy goals for them to go ahead twice, especially with us starting the second half so well. And they had kind of, they went, they took the lead again against the run of play. And you kind of think on nights like that, like, is this going to be our night at all? Even when they went down to 10, you know, we couldn't really break them down stayed too all didn't really create much in extra time and you're thinking have they held out and are they going to go and get the look at the look at the jaw in panels because it, at times it can be a lottery you know yes and of course those images of the dock in their very nice purple strip which is linked to temple street children's hospital too and the club tonight 100 euros every goal is scored in the ea sports cup and the fai cup which of course they're still in so chris i hope the penalty kicks are included in that and you, your kick will uh, will earn temple street 100 quid it's a nice initiative it's a, it's a lovely kit and uh, you guys uh, hopefully again the the goals that went in for the penals will be will be included in uh, in that fund I'm sure the owners are shaking their heads saying, no, that was a six or seven penos. Yeah, no, yeah. it is. It's a, nice, it's a nice kit. It's nice to have something different, you know, especially to be linked in with Temple Street, such a great cause and stuff like that. And the kit's gone down well with everyone around the town. And I know the team like it as a, as a tour, tour choice strip, if not you now for the cup as well. So it is. It's, a, it's nice to have something different like that. Yeah, and I spoke to a few of the... Dublin players at um, Crumlin Hospital over the weekend and you know Jack McCaffrey who's a doctor in Temple Street was, was there and he was very emotional the videos had you know over a quarter of a million views when he was talking about what it meant to the local people around and the sick people and the elderly people around you know the Dubs winning trophies and I'm sure you guys have been quite similar in recent seasons you've still got two more to go but to be able to bring these trophies to the schools and the hospitals and places around the area and see the local people so happy that their football team are doing so well for them yeah, it's absolutely brilliant, you know, and I don't think it should ever be taken for granted. I've seen the McCaffrey interview and I think he's uh, he's correct in what he says, you know. People are saying that Dublin win for a fifth time in a row is, it has, doesn't have as much meaning as other times, but it's absolutely completely wrong because he said, you see how important, is, important sport is to these people and we get a, lo a lot of local uh, adulation, you know, and we can still see to the people at dog how much it means because... You can go through very barren spells like Dundalk had before 
ourselves as a group of players and Stephen and Vinny got together and started this amazing run of success that we've had in recent years. And with I, I know uh, our fan base don't ever get sick of it, and us as players certainly don't. Yeah, and I loved as well, Chris, I watched the game on Air Sport on Saturday and the Brandywell, the Ryan McBride Stadium, full to capacity as well. And I know there was some crap at the end of fans on the pitch, which, which we don't want to see. But in terms of the atmosphere and, and everything that went on, and you know, your team are so used to playing in big games with full stadiums, whether they be, you know, Aviva Stadiums or Tallis Stadiums or Oriel or, you know, those famous games against Cork City too. To play again that atmosphere on Saturday just gives you a great taste of, of what the big games in this league really can be like. That was brilliant, yeah, it was a brilliant occasion, you know, Derry have a great fan base as well, and I think it was great to see them get a sellout as well, because they have a great um, great history of both Cups, you know, I know they won it plenty of times when Stephen was there, and, you know, they've great. They've had great success in the FA Cup as well before that, but it was the first time maybe I'd seen it sold out since it's been uh, revamped, and the noise in it was great, and to be fair, we had 800 to 1,000 uh, away fans, and it's it's a fan it's a ground that they've been kind of reluctant to go to given past troubles that was you know just local kids around the area smashing bus windows it was never had to do with Derry but to see the the masses they travelled up for us as well was a was a huge impact on the night and we could we could hear them throughout the night it was I suppose it was great for the league as well because the EA Sports Club can kind of be taken for granted at times until it comes to the semi finals and finals. And it just goes to show from the two teams that took place on Saturday how important it was for both of us. Yeah, and of course, that's the first trophy down, Chris. And I spoke to your head coach, Vinnie Pert, and also to Daniel Cleary at Abbottstown in the build-up to the final. And I asked Dan if the word treble had been mentioned, and he, he kind of tried to avoid the question a little bit and, and whatever, but it, it clearly is on the agenda, given there's one down, you're 10 points clear in the league. You can actually win the league this Monday against Rovers and an FAI Cup semi-final away to Sligo next Sunday. So it could be a big few weeks in terms of, of trying to achieve that history. Is that something that has been spoken about or is even in your head? Uh, it's it's hard to look past, I suppose, when you put it that way. You know, we're not uh, not going to shy away from it. Really, it's a huge week if we want to do that. But because we've been so busy since since the break, it's it's hard to look past every next game. Because I think every week since June, we've been playing Friday, Monday, whether it be it was Europe, League, League Cup, FAI Cup, all mixed in, all mixed in the one time period. So it's been hard to kind of take your eye off one competition to look at another because they're coming so thick and fast. So, uh, yes, Saturday was, uh, you know, full front, looking at the League Cup with a win, and now straight back to league, uh, the league campaign now, with two huge games, like you said. If we do our business right, we've, uh, on Friday and Monday, we can win the league, so that's it's hard to look past that. So we'll deal with these next two league games and then throw the eye back on the FAI Cup. Yeah, so you're away to water for the RSC on Friday, and Shamrock Rovers playing St. Pat's in Tala. So, at the moment, the lead is 10 points, so six games left for both teams, Chris. So, if Shamrock Rovers were to lose to Pats and you win, you can win it with a draw or a win on Monday. And it always seems to be in this league that the team that's first and you and Cork in recent seasons can kind of win the league against the team that's second in their home ground. And that would be amazing. But you need to try and get through Friday first against a Waterford team who've been you know, quite up and down in their form this season. You've played them a few times and I'm sure you'll be, you'll be trying to pick up points there before you go to Monday. And if Monday works out, great. Oh, absolutely. It's kind of just what I was saying there. You can't really focus on Monday at all until you deal with uh, Waterford on Friday. You know, having played them so recently last Monday in the Cup, you know, I'm sure they'll be wanting, you know, they'll be wanting revenge for us, knocking them out of the Cup. And I watched them on Friday against Bowes and they got a w good win in Daily Mount. Not, not a lot of teams have gone there in London. So, like you said, the form can be up and down, but we've played them a few times this year and, you know, they, they have great passages of play and you just, if they click, they can be excellent on the night. Yeah, and you know, if things were to roll to Monday, Chris, and I appreciate your focus on, on, on Friday, but our next podcast won't be until after that match on Monday, and I'm looking forward to being at Oriel to, to watch that game. But if things do go the way you want on Friday, it's a great opportunity on Monday, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's brilliant. It's kind of, we work out perfect for the league as a spectacle, I suppose, for first and second to go head to head for, for ourselves to win it would be, you know, would be great. But like it, it'd be great to win against Shamrock Rovers but once you get over the line that's all you really care about in leagues because there's such a long process and such such a tough process to go and just to go and win you know yeah and if things were to go the other way of course and, and you know Shamrock Rovers would win their both games the weekend and the dock were to lose both the gap would be down to something like four points with four games left and all of a sudden it's game on so you've still got to go and try and perform and these big weeks Chris with the FAI Cup semi-final against Ligo on Sunday or something again you're very very used to 
are you able at this stage now to kind of take them in almost on autopilot given you're playing your recovery you're playing the next game you're training because you know I don't mean to be disrespectful to to the word autopilot but like you've just had so many big weeks I'm sure the way the squad and the staff are able to prepare is just really really you know I suppose routine at this stage yeah, no, I know what you mean. It, it, like I said, that's what I was saying. It's, it's it's kind of been like that way since June, July time. You know, you're you're we've done very. You didn't get a lot of chance to have actual training days. You're looking at warm downs after games, and then you're looking at a day off there, and then you're looking at a, a training day before a game. So it is. It's uh, it's kind of like just become a small bit of the routine, unfortunately, because of the the overload of uh, fixtures we've had to play. But that's kind of it. We are kind of used to it now, and. I suppose you can only like it'll only help because you've you, you got a great experience of it. You know we've lads who've done it in previous years and now lads that have, have kind of embedded themselves in the squad in the past two years are getting a taste of it now too. And Chris, finally, FAI Cup on Sunday at the showgrounds against Sligo Rovers as well. You know Liam Buckley as a manager has a great history with the cup and it's the only trophy that Sligo can win. It looks like they're safe in well they are safe in the league now. So once you're over these two league games, it's a cup semi final and a chance to be back at the Aviva in the first weekend of November again. Yeah, it'd be an absolute great occasion to get there again for the fifth time on the chalk. But it's a, it's going to be one hell of a game down in Sligo. I'd imagine you know they have a great pedigree in the cup as well, especially with Liam at the helm. I'm sure, like I'm pretty sure that'll be their the biggest game of the season for them. It's a, like a home tie, a great chance for them to get there as well. So we have two huge fixtures to do with a force, and then a third huge one now next Sunday. So it's it's all you look. You all look forward to it all. It's better than you know being in the mix for everything rather than you know you're seeing some some games out till the end of the year and you go again next year. But we're right in the thick of it as we'd hoped been as we'd hoped have been at the start of the season we have and Sunday would be another one to relish. Great, so Chris Shields as always. Thanks a million for your time. Best luck for the weekend and next Sunday. We'll see you soon. Cheers, Chris. All right, thanks, Jamie. Now from Chris Shields, a man whose penalty won the EA Sports Cup for Dundalk on Saturday to the Derry City manager Declan Devine, who was an unbelievably animated and passionate man on the sideline, getting his fans going and getting his team going with 10 men as much as possible to try and win the EA Sports Cup for the third year in a row. And he joins me on the phone now. Declan, good afternoon. How are you? Good afternoon, Jimmy. I'm all right. I'm all right. We're ready to go again. Uh, got over the disappointment of the weekend and we're back on track training again this week, Paul. Yeah, of course, a big league game as well, again this weekend with uh, the race for Europe well ongoing and uh, we're looking forward as well uh, to Derry City hosting Bowles at the Ryan McBride Stadium this Friday. Declan, on the cup final, um, atmosphere, occasion, the quality of the game, going all the way to spot kicks, amazing. And for your team in the end, just disappointment, you couldn't win after that red card for Grant Gillespie, you had to play for so long with, with 10 men, you got the game to penals and unfortunately it just wasn't to be for you. No, it wasn't to be. It wasn't to be, Jamie, as you say. But extremely proud, extremely proud of the players, extremely proud of the club and the supporters and, and the occasion for what it was. But obviously, disappointment because when you go into cup finals, you want to make sure you won them. But um, look, we've we've come a long way in a short period of time. And as I said last week in the, in the preview to the final, you know, such a huge point to play and. The, the rapport between supporters and, uh, and players has been magnificent all year and it was great for us to, to show the watching the watching people on TV and the Dundalk fans and the, the journalists that's on the Brandywell on Saturday night. It was great to show that. But as you say, look, we came all of that short, but um, it's certainly when you reflect on cup finals, you wonder could you have do, done a little bit more. And I, I think the players emptied the tank. I think they've done everything that was required of them and as you say, only the lottery of spot kicks has, has cost us having a trophy. But we firmly parked the bus now, and again, our focus now very quickly turns to a, another huge game. It's not a bigger game in the Brandywell this Friday, and that's Bohemians coming with a European place up for grabs. Yeah, and before we talk about that game, Declan, just a last one on Saturday, and I loved, you know, every time the whistle blew for, you know, extra time, half time, and extra time, you were trying to g the fans up as much as possible. You brought your team and the team huddle over right to the far side so they could hear and see and feel the atmosphere as if they couldn't feel it enough during the match. What was the thought process behind that? Well, I think first and foremost we knew our boys were exhausted, Jimmy. I think we knew everybody could see how much effort they were putting on the game. I felt when we were eleven v eleven. And we were 2-1 up after 50-odd minutes. I thought we were very much in control of the game. I thought with Gale Force 1 blowing behind our back, I thought that if there was anybody going to score the next goal, I thought it was us. So they suffered the, the mental torture of having a player sent off. And um, 
assessing the game for its merits then and giving the momentum back to Dundalk. We needed every bit of help that we could have got. And when the supporters, as you've seen for yourself, the supporters are really behind the team, then it actually shakes the place to its foundation. And, you know, that little bit of adrenaline, that little extra drive, it certainly benefited our players. But it was a magnificent effort from everyone. Jamie, the players were magnificent. The supporters were magnificent. The Batman team, everybody put so much on. They tried to win the game. So um, it was just trying to get any little edge that we, we could have got on Saturday night. I think we, we, we left it out there that we try to get it, but ultimately we took it to penalties. Um, a fantastic a fantastic game for the Irish public to watch because it was two really good football sites that put so much effort and determination and they won a trophy that a lot of teams looked down their nose at. And you know, whenever you see the, the occasion that it was on Saturday night, then I think everybody connected with both clubs should be extremely proud. What does it mean to you to be from the area, to be the manager of the football club and to be in that stadium which is steeped with history, in a city that's steeped with history, named after the former captain of the club and to hear that from the fans and you're the manager and you're standing there managing the team in a cup final? Oh, it's amazing, Jamie, to be honest. As I say, that's my third cup final as a manager in the three years that I've been a manager. I've lost two now on penalties and won one in the Aviva, but the other night was something special. I know we didn't have the trophy or the winner's medal to show for it, but... Just to, to, to be standing out there and be part of the battle and to be part of the the environment in terms of the final, it was it was something that was will love me a long time. They have my family and friends and the crowd, and you know it was just a party. We were demonstrating. We didn't win the game, but whenever I reflect on the game and I look at the players and what they put on there, then I'm immensely proud. And and they have that place sold out in our first year. I think, you know, Kevin Dave, Marty McCann, Paddy McCourt, Declan McIntyre, all the backroom staff have had such a huge impact on that. And, you know, they have all our families there on Saturday. It certainly was a special occasion leading up to the game. So, Declan, we're into a huge game this weekend as well. It's a home game against Bowles in the Premier Division. And just to kind of recap on the league table at the moment with the way things are... At the moment, Bowes are third. They've played 31. They're on 49 points. Your team are fourth. You've played 30 and 47 points. You the game in hand on them. You're two points behind. And St. Pat's, even though they only drew at UCD last weekend, uh, they're on 47, level on points with you. How would you describe yeah. this game and the importance uh, of it in the quest for Europe, if, sure, I could, if you could sum it up? It, it, it's a huge game. It's a huge game because if we can win and go above them with a game in hand, and then our game in hand is next week while they're playing their huge semi-final. It gives us an opportunity to potentially open the gap, but also it gives Bohemians an opportunity to come here and take a five-point lead on us, um, leading under the last five or six games, even though we'll have a game in hand. So it's got all the makings. Look, Bohemians have been fantastic under Keith and Trevor this year. They've been fantastic. They're a brilliant side with brilliant young players as well. And, you know, they certainly come to Brandywell and make a right good go at it. And it's something that we're going to embrace. It's something, you know, if, if you're playing a meaningless cup, or a meaningless league game after the highs and lows of such a wonderful atmosphere in the Brandywell, and sometimes it's hard to get your players back up for it. But we'll have a full house again this this Friday. The, the team directly above us are coming to the ground. We're determined that we want to try and win the game. Bohemians are determined that they want to try and win the game. So it's not it's not going to be a it's not going to be a, a low key affair. It's such a high profile game for us this week, and it's exactly what we would have wanted on the back of the cup final, but. Again, one loser draw this week. There's still going to be so much football to be played after it, Jimmy, you know. And Declan, just lastly, on our previous team of the cup final and the atmosphere and stuff, how hard have you worked and the club worked to try and make the place full as often as possible? It's the only football team in Derry. It's a new stadium in terms of it's being redeveloped. I was only there a couple of weeks ago myself and, you know, everything about it is a place where you'd want to go and watch a football match and the people seem very, very proud to go and watch their team there. But how have you managed, you know, everybody there to do that, to try and make it, you know, as good as possible and also a hostile place for the other teams to go to? Well, I think for I think for a few years it, it was a bit too nice to be honest. I think um, for the previous couple of years people were coming to Brandywell and, and actually getting quite an easy game, and that was something that doesn't sit well with any of us in the backroom staff. You know, the Brandywell is built. You know, if you look at the history of Derry, the Brandywell, the Craigan, the Bogside, they've all had a fight for everything they've ever had in their lives, and it's something that as a football team we want to replicate our people. We want our people to understand that. You know, we're willing to do the fighting. We're willing to do the the, the work and the and the effort that needs to go on. They want in football matches, and 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 if we can get the people behind us doing that, then I think this year 
you know, has been a magnificent year for us. We want to finish it off properly by qualifying for European competition. But I also believe that, you know, the work that the players do on their, their time off, like tomorrow we're, there are people going to the Marie Curie Centre for, for, for cancer, players in schools over in Derry here. We've, 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 Karen Harkin that works in the Ryan McBride Foundation in the afternoons coaching kids. So it's not something that we, we, we do uh, as a token gesture. Everybody connected with the club. The club means something to them and they're out in the community on a regular basis because, look, we're in Irish football. We have to be in our community. Our community has to understand that we're all in it together and, you know, we can we, we can pat ourselves on the back over footballing reasons, but ultimately we want to continue the people coming to the Brandywell and for us to do that, then it's not just about the 90 minutes on the pitch. I think we have to work our, our backsides off on a daily basis to attract those people. They pay good money to come and watch us play also. So it's not just back on the vine. It's everybody connected with the football club, our office staff, our, our, the, the guys from the council that own the ground. Everybody works so hard, and it's it's a great reflection when you look around on a Friday or Saturday night. You see a full stadium, and you see everybody pulling in the one direction. It can only mean good things for Derry City Football Club. Yes, and I would love to have been a fly on the wall on Saturday, Declan, in the middle of your huddle or your team talk before the match because your players literally run out on the pitch ready to run through walls for you and the fans and the team. And that has to be a special thing as well that they're just, they are really, really, really trying for you. And, you know, you, you expect footballers to do that, but your team are, my God, really doing it for you. Brilliant. They were great. They were, they were absolute warriors. And as I say, when you get feedback from your, from your fans on a regular basis, one of the common themes that we continue hearing from our supporters is that they leave everything on the pitch. They keep going to the very last whistle. And that's something that wasn't just about a League Cup final in the Brandywell. That's something that's been happening all year. The players have been leaving everything on the pitch. They've been very competitive in every game. And they've made sure that if anybody's going to turn us over, then they're going to have to work extremely hard for it. Great stuff, Declan Devine. Thanks for your time. The best of luck on Friday. We'll see you soon. Now finally, Clean 8 is the headline and was the headline in the Sun newspaper this week. A very good piece written by Neil O'Reardon and Owen Cowser. And I'm going to try and shorten it down for you if you haven't had a chance to read it because it's quite long and I've tried to select the main pieces of this. The League of Ireland could switch to an eight-team Premier Division from 2021 under a new proposal made by the working group. Sun Sport has seen a document presented to all clubs at a meeting at the Aviva Stadium on September 10th which makes some revolutionary proposals. The group was set up at a July workshop facilitated by the FAI to look at all options for the future of the league. Now that workshop, you'll remember, included plans submitted by Niall Quinn and Kieran Lucid. Kieran Lucid wants an all-Ireland of Ireland league, including the Northern Irish Premiership and the League of Ireland. I actually went to watch Linfield and Glen Torren on Saturday an unbelievable atmosphere not a great football match but an unbelievable atmosphere as well this piece goes on pros and cons the first option is an 18 top flight that would then split after four rounds of games the top four would then fight for European spots and the bottom four to avoid relegation and the playoff so that means if you finish fifth in the Premier League you could be relegated which to me is very very harsh and makes no sense a 12 team first division but also split after two rounds with the top six vying for promotion which sounds really good and a playoff spot as well, so a team to go up and a team to get the playoffs. The second option is the same for the top flight in terms of that eight team with the split, though the first division would be regionalised and the top two from the north and south going into knockout playoffs. And the third is the most radical, two 10-team divisions playing two rounds of games in the first half of the season. There would then be a split from two divisions to three divisions, a top six championship, an eight-team promotion relegation section of the bottom four of the Premier and the top four of the first and a six-team First Division place. An All-Ireland Cup competition to replace the EA Sports Cup is also to be explored. And the group does stress that standards must be raised with uniform requirements for the top flight sides, which I do agree with in terms of, you know, stadiums, stadium capacities, toilets, pitches, dressing rooms, that sort of stuff as well. And they've also said that there should be a relaxing of the cost incentive requirements where appropriate in the First Division. So... To me, that means that they're trying to increase the standard of the Premier, but decrease the standard of the First Division, which, again, doesn't make much sense to me. Centralised revenue streams are viewed as vital, with a feasibility study to be conducted in the commercial value of the League of Ireland. The document does stress as well, though, that growth will rely on building the value of the League and boosting revenue. And the discussion document says that, you know, they're not sure yet who will actually run the League, whether it be the FAI, the clubs themselves, an outside group, or a mixture of all three. Those options still to be investigated. And it says that the money the FAI make from commercial deals for the League of Ireland is hard to discern given that most of it and all of it almost involves the Ireland international team. But it's estimated a figure of around €900,000 is 
you know, made by the league or for the league through commercial deals. And historically, it says that the league is a loss maker for the FAI. Potential revenue streams to be identified with television rights and data, digital and international streaming rights are being possible uh, suggestions for highlighted growth. Indeed, a pilot scheme that is streaming some League of Ireland games this season worldwide has been viewed as a success and could be expanded for the 2020 season. And it just seems to me that, you know, we've gone from, in recent years, a 12-team Premier and an 18-team First Division and we've now got two 10s and we have the playoffs in the First Division and we have the top four or the top three in the league plus the cup winners, but generally the top four making Europe and we have bottom going down and second bottom getting a playoff. So that's kept things going for most teams given that, you know, the top five up to recently the top six could have made Europe and up to last week probably Sligo and Waterford would have still been looking over their shoulder and maybe being caught by Finn Harps. And Bray only lost out in the playoffs last weekend in the second last round of fixtures in the first division. So that's really kept both leagues going from both you know sets of teams. So I don't know why necessarily, if we're not doing the All-Ireland League, why we would change the league again. And certainly an eight-team Premier where they're playing each other so often and you've got cup competitions and you've got everything else that's going on, it would make no sense to me at all. And... You know, next season in the Premier, you have Shelburne back up. You've got great games and great derbies and great, you know, mostly great stadiums to go to now in the Premier Division 2. You know, bar possibly Finn Harps and we know Dundalk Stadium needs work. But the other stadiums involved in the Premier Division in general are quite good. And, you know, they're good places to watch football games. Yes, they can improve, but they're certainly good games to watch football games. So why we would go to 8 as opposed to 10 and breed even more familiarity between the teams and the fans and the managers makes... No sense to me at all. And, you know, the clubs ultimately will decide on this. And I just think for now, we need to stay with two tens. We need to see how it goes. We need to try and improve investment and streaming and all that sort of stuff as well. But both leagues have stuff going for them at all times. So that's something that we definitely need to look at as well to uh, to try and just develop that and keep that going in, in, in the next while. Because Jack Byrne playing for Rovers and playing for Ireland and lots of good stuff going on as well. The league is definitely in a good place at the moment. That's it for another week on the Off The Ball League of Ireland podcast. Thank you very much for listening and to all of our guests. We'll see you next week, folks. Bye-bye. The best League of Ireland podcast in the business. This is Off The Ball.